This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week TV podcast. Andrew Mercado, you're in Sydney. We've got a proper studio. I know. It's, we've gone very high tech. I, I'll have to, it'll take me a while to get used to it. I know. Look, this doesn't happen a lot, so we, we're going to be sneaky. We're going to try and record a few podcasts okay. while you're in Sydney, while we've got this facility, partly to make up for the time we've been off air, so to speak. Let's start. The Logies. Oh, gee whiz. They've been a bit of controversy. I sort of like what they're doing, but not everybody does, and people have been sort of picking at the um, the new details, the new rules, and sort of finding fault with what's happening. You've been a bit of a Logies observer over there. What do you think? Uh, the part it, – it, it concerns me a little bit that they seem to have narrowed down the field of actors – uh, according to TV Tonight, the story I read the other day, there used to be about 100 spots of people going into the nomination. Now that's been reduced to 70. And, you know, I'm Only not really... 70. 70. Oh, come on. You know. It's got to be enough. Well, you'd think so, wouldn't uh, you? But, I mean, on. it's just such a nice thing for an actor, especially if you're an up-and-coming act, coming actor, to have been considered in it. You know, like that, that's nearly oh, a quarter... Of, of actors being taken out of the pool. Yeah, but 70 people come 70 on. 70 still I mean, that's a lot to consider. Okay, well, I mean, what... you think maybe if it was 10 or 20, you might grumble, but... Yeah. 70, come on. What about have they done something about best and popular? You know how they mm. used to call the uh, viewer-voted awards popular? Yes. Which made a lot of sense. Um and then they changed that wording around best and popular. So you can't actually tell the difference between what the critics and the peers are voting for and what the readers of TV Week are voting for. And as you know, I've said here many, many times before, the best thing about the Logies is the fact that we combine those two things. So when people complain and say, oh, they're crap, we need to replace them, I say, what can be fairer than asking the viewing public to decide and then asking the critics to decide? Because then you actually get a really good spread and if something wins both awards, you know that that is absolutely the person that should have won it. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. They've cut down the number of... Um... Most outstanding, I think, they it, it used to be called and then they okay. changed it. Yeah. They've cut the number of categories. Yep. I did have it here. It was something like 27 to 23. It might be a little bit more. They've chopped out. So it will be a bit of a shorter event. Well, I think that's a good thing. Yeah. There's still enough gongs to go around. I'm still getting my head around this mid-year thing. Yeah. But I guess they've got to go where they get the funding and that's a bit reliant on, you know, the availability of venues and, um, you know, the the sponsorship from, the, I guess, the Queensland government who seem to be spending, spending a lot of money to get productions up there and all that sort of stuff. They is, sure are. The Gold Coast is really going off this year, isn't it? Commonwealth sure. Games, then the Logies, and they're getting Dora the Explorer, <laughs> as the Premier of Queensland very excitedly announced. It is going off, isn't it? And... The, one of the con- controversial things is they're allowing programs as long as they launch in March, I think, of the rules. So you could, in theory, launch a show on March 31. Yeah. That will give people one day <laughs> one day to nominate it before voting closes, I think, on midnight on April 1st. I actually think that's a pretty good idea. I actually think yeah, that, I, you know, to be giving out awards... It's a really current because we've always yes. complained in the past. Yeah. Oh, it cuts off last year. You can't, you know... We live in a current world now. Everything's got to be now, now, now. Let's take it right to the letter. Yeah, so I like that. I like, I think they're calling it live voting. Yep. So you can vote 
while still while the red carpet's on in the second round of voting where you get a chance to vote again. Yeah. Right? You can still vote. I think it cuts off like at the end of the red carpet just before the actual show starts. So that's opened up opportunities for, for networks. So you can, you know, push out a show in March. And the joke on me was <laughs> when Australian Spartan launched, I, I said, gee whiz, it could, it could win a Logie because ah. it's launched in March. Well, maybe not. That's right. All those people watching <laughs> in the non-ratings period of Easter may cast a vote, James. Well, that's it. In, in theory, it could have. But, yeah, so they can really push a show hard in March and maybe get some traction for it, some, yeah. some votes there. And the other thing is the red carpet stakes starts to take on new significance in that second round of voting. If you can really make a mark on the red carpet, look stunning, get a, a dress that's all over social media that people are talking about, are they going to give it some votes? Of course, we, we get back to it's going to be really important how many followers you have on social media by that point as well. I mean, that was always the claim laid at the feet of... Hamish Blake, I think, all those years ago, that that massive million plus followers he had, he asked for last minute votes, and boom, that would they say? Well, you know, and of course, the people who lost say that that you know that was enough to put him a, across the line. Yeah, so it's uh, it's, it's be fascinating to see what happens. I've had a look at. I haven't actually voted, but I've had a look at the voting um, the the website where you vote. I, I like the technology they're using; it's dead easy. And it's great how you can get a look at the whole field. Yep. To me, it's still a really big field, 60, 70, whatever it is in the various categories. You can get a good look at them all on this sort of one page, and it's really simple. Tick, move on to the next category. It's, um, it's, a, really, it's a really good interface. Mm. And, of course, the TV networks, they're running those ads. Mm. <laughs> they say, oh, yeah, if, if they lose, they'll say, oh, it's not important. But right now, everyone's in on the game. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So there'll be a lot more um, Logie chat in uh, weeks to come, I guess. Look, I really don't want to talk about this next subject, but I feel like I've got to ask you about it. The Stefanovics. Right. The phone call, Carl and Pete, late night, it's overheard, mm. either recorded or not, whatever, doesn't really matter, I guess. But the sort of the transcript was out, I guess by the time it appeared in New Idea, it had been pretty much everywhere, everybody knew the contents. The comment I liked most out of this was um, Jody and Soda's show on Mix in Adelaide. Um, Soda, who happens to work for Channel 7 as well, said it's a beat-up. He reckons it's a deliberate publicity ploy. I think he half had his tongue in his cheek when he was saying that, but, but I found that really attractive and a bit of a release after all the sort of people have got so worked up about this. Yeah. I, I just don't understand why, if you're a well-known person and you're going to be speaking about other well-known people that you work with, you would have a conversation on speakerphone in a public place. I mean, whoever does that? Who does right? that? That's the thing I liked about what Soda was saying on the radio. He said, no one ever does that. No. I mean, you, especially if you're, I mean, you know, you're someone who's a, a household name, your household name brothers. Mm. You're talking about your colleagues who will work on television, on loudspeaker. And who's the smartest person in that Uber? Sylvia Jeffries. She said nothing. <laughs> she let those two guys just run off at the mouth. Mm. Don't say anything. You don't want repeated if there's a stranger listening. Yeah. Well, I'm certainly Do you fine. know what? Is, this is interesting because when yes. I first moved to Sydney 20 years ago, somebody said to me, 
My advice when you move to Sydney is, is that if you talk about anybody in a public place, never use their surname. I've always remembered that. Right. That was 20 years ago, you know. Okay. There they are talking, you know. Oh. You're going to talk about Dickie Wilkins in a taxi cab and you work on the Today Show. We're going to know who you're talking about. Mm, absolutely. But yeah, I'm telling you, if I never read another story about um, this phone call, it'll be one too many. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's been covered. Um, I guess that it's time is ripe now for the next sort of media controversy to um, rear its head and people will move on. Um, the ABC's picked up some rights to some Foxtel programs, mm. which we've never seen before. In this case, Grand Designs Australia and Wentworth, coincidentally both from uh, Fremantle Media Australia. And they're both both with um, a real heritage. I mean, Wentworth has 58 episodes, if I'm not mistaken, which is... Five seasons. Five seasons. Yep. Okay, and there's been about... Not about, there's been exactly 72 of Grand Designs Australia, which I really love, Peter Madison... Um, filling the um, Kevin McLeod role with the Australian series. Been, both series have been fantastically successful to Foxtel. In the past, they've used that strategy of not letting that content go anywhere else. They used to say that, didn't they? Absolutely. You will only see it on Foxtel. I'm, I'm, I'm sure we've both spoken to Foxtel executives over the year, asked them about that. Mm. You know, would you ever let this out somewhere else? You know, I think last year's Selling Houses Australia showed up on I think Channel it ran seven. on seven on yes, seven mate, or was it on the primary channel? I think they tried it on the primary channel yeah. and it might have migrated. Did it okay oh, yeah. um, but it didn't do sensational figures. And it makes sense for Grand Designs Australia to go to the ABC given they screen the original Grand Designs. For sure. I don't know that Wentworth is the greatest fit in the world for ABC. It's going to be Thursday nights at nine o'clock. Yeah, well... Look, you know, it's a bit the, of a graveyard the, slot for drama. And let's face it, it's it's probably been played to death on yeah. Foxtel on their box sets channel and their binge channel, and uh, screened all around the world. No doubt they've sold all the DVDs and all that. So I, I don't know who's really left to watch. And again. I question whether or not it's an ABC show. But look, hey, in terms of people who love Australian drama and people who have never been Foxtel subscribers, there probably are some ABC viewers that watch Prisoner and are curious and may switch it on and think it's interesting. But I can't imagine that its ratings are going to go through the roof. Will it hold up all those that first season? Yeah, I think it does hold up. It's uh, it's a kind of a uh, time generic show. It's not about... Uh, and in actual fact, if you there's this thing where people say the shows that can be repeated the most in future life are shows where people pl- uh, wear generic type uniforms. Mm-hmm. So shows, you know, uh, that are primarily set in prison and the people are wearing denim or light blue hoodies, yes. that isn't going to date. And Wentworth, even more so than Prisoner, rarely goes outside the prison walls. The one that you could be watching Prisoner and think, oh, well, this, this could be a show of now until they get dressed up and go for a night at the disco when, you know, someone would go out and then you go, oh, my God, this show was made in the late 70s. Wentworth's not like that. They pretty rarely go outside and so I don't think it's dated at all. Yeah. Well, it's going to – it'll give them a year of content in that slot, won't it? 58 sure episodes. Will. Yeah, so, they um, can just go all the week. way through. Go hard. Be interesting if they ever try any of the strategy on iView and maybe put up a few episodes at once or release a season at once. I'm not, I'm not sure. Mm. But um, 
Well, that works. I mean, we never get any feedback on the actual numbers for those streaming services, so it's all... And I wonder if it'll inspire the ABC to look through their drama category and see if there's something in there that they could reboot Mm. for a modern audience. (laughs) Fingers crossed. Where are we leading with that discussion? (laughs) Frontline? Frontline, please. You wrote an open letter last week. Yes, to Jane Kennedy. She replied to my tweet and said, I am overwhelmed. (laughs) Thank you for that letter. Uh, So she's read it um, and a few people jumped in and said, please, yes, yes, yes. Uh, Like it seems a no-brainer for me. It was like after I wrote that letter and I was thinking, just pulling examples out of things that you could, you know, dramatised for the show, then suddenly we did have the Stefanovics in the Uber, Uber cab. And, you know, these sorts of stories about the media are there all the time. So you could absolutely make a new series of Frontline and rip your stories and send them up from the headlines. This sort of stuff's going on all the time now with social media. And, in fact, that's an episode, isn't it? The Brooke Van and Berg and Mike Moore from 25 years ago could do what they wanted because people didn't have mobile phones recording them. Now, very different world. Working dogs should be on the phone to you, Andrew. <laughs> Bang out a few um, a few plot lines, a few uh, series scenarios. But I've got a feeling this isn't going to happen. I just my bones tell me that there's there's just no way. There's perhaps not much interest uh, with sort of bringing this back. It's iconic. It sits there in it, you know, in its own sort of capsule. It's, it could spoil it. Do you think so? Yeah. They're pretty smart guys working dogs. Oh, I agree. Well, I think ever... that's why they're not going to do it. Right. Because they're scared of ruining well, the original. Yeah, I mean, maybe they would if they were asked, but I just don't think there's um, there's much happening there now. I And think... they're all pretty busy with, um, yeah. you know, that, that um, have you been paying attention? It and takes up a lot of time. It's back They still doing weeks. Utopia? Yeah, I think still there's Still writing a new series yep. of Utopia? Yep. So, Someone yeah, did post a clip, though, of uh, uh, Rob Sitch playing Mike Moore again for what looked like a kind of a, a skit on ABC Comedy. Maybe it was there to relaunch. And it was so funny because he, he said he was doing a show in New Zealand covering Asia-Pacific issues, which made me laugh because in my head, uh, Mike Moore always went to CNN and is doing that <laughs> somewhere in the Asia-Pacific. I just, Of course, it's funnier if he goes to New Zealand and does it. So, you look, I just think the ideas are there. I think it would write itself. And as Jane Kennedy did say in The, in the Australian, a, a pretty cheap show to make. I want to ask you about I'm a Celebrity, but it sort of comes as part of a bigger discussion about we're nearly through the first quarter of the year, yeah. uh, the end of March, nine versus seven versus ten. It's all been nine and seven pretty much. Ten's been on the outer with a few good things they've got. You know, Gogglebox does well for them. Celebrity, well, you can argue about how well it's been doing. But um, on the strength of this year, would you bring back I'm a Celebrity? If it was your <sighs> Those decision? ratings. Those ratings this year just didn't work. And, I mean, it's not really their fault. They had their two biggest stars defect on them, Bernard Tomic and Anthony Mundine. And then I think they were really scrambling among 
the bottom reaches of celebrity to to fill those spots. So I think it was unfortunate. Uh, and, you know, I love the show, James, and I particularly love Julia Morris and Dr. Chris Brown. And I think there's a real comedy gold partnership there. And I couldn't help as I was watching that last week after because I just couldn't watch it when the Old Fields was there. That was just a step too far for me. I didn't want to see those nasty conversations. I saw bits and pieces. But I couldn't help thinking, my gosh, if we don't bring back I'm a Celebrity, get me out of here. Surely 10 could think of something else to do with those two because that is a comedy partnership. I think they're funny. I know that some people say they don't find Julia Morris funny. She's not their cup of tea. But I think them hosting that show in such an untraditional way, I thought it was inspired. Mm. And (laughs) could it be... Crazy idea off the top of my head. Could it be they do a Saturday night variety show with celebrities and we it's a, a show through the week, locking the celebrities in a house, working out what that show's going to be on the Saturday night. And then on the Saturday night, there's the show hosted by Julia Morris and Dr. Chris Brown doing that shtick they do on I'm a Celebrity. I'm going to miss those two doing those completely crazy, unconventional TV hostings they did. Yeah, I think it's got to come back. When you look at uh, Channel 10 without, (laughs) I'm a celebrity. And otherwise, we've seen it the last couple of nights. It's just been, as we record this podcast, I think they had um, All-Star Family Feud. Yeah. Filled the gap on Sunday, Monday in the week recording. And repeats of Graham Norton with new titles like the Mission Impossible Super Superman special. It's like, who are you trying to... Kid oh, here, no, ten. That's Graham an old, Norton. an old Graham Norton repeat with a new title. People aren't stupid; they don't fall <laughs> for that. And you know, people talk about how Celebrity is such an expensive show to make, but then you think about it and you think, well, now hang on, that's built for a whole bunch of other shows to come in afterwards. Everyone has a go at that African location, and whenever the crew come in on it, it looks like it's a predominantly African crew. I know some Australians fly over to it, so maybe it's not as expensive to make as we think it is, which could lend itself to coming back next year. Yeah, yeah. Well, unless they can find, you know, sort of pretty good replacement and because of the strength of um, Married and My Kitchen Rules sort of counts out a relationship show. Yes, it sure does. And it counts out a cooking show. Yeah. So it doesn't give you a lot of um, places to go. And I think they're onto a really great thing with those male sports stars. That was good Mm, counter-programming to me because the women are watching Married at First Sight. And I think that there's an opportunity for the men who like sports stars to go, oh, well, I'll give them a celebrity. But a guy's going to sit there and just watch sports stars sit around chatting. <laughs> <laughs> I think they were probably dodged a bullet by Anthony <laughs> Mundine deciding to leave. Yeah. It wasn't really exciting wasn't TV watching him lying sure. on his But that, that was part bed. of the bigger plan to get him into the ring with Danny Green and, yeah. and see what fireworks would do. And, of course, mm. he went running for the hills. Yeah. Yeah. Weak, mate. Yeah, it's not an easy job to do, is it, eh? Um, been a bit of comedy. Squinters yep. has been on. I think Sando's taking over its time slot. What did you make? I mean, I, I think I was there for the first episode of Squinters. It tells a bit of a tale that I haven't followed it up. Yeah. But I know one of our friends, Michael Adato, he gave, loved it, a, it, didn't gave he? it a big rave, didn't yeah. he? Sort of one of the funniest comedies of the year. There's maybe not a lot of funny comedies on Australian TV at the moment, so maybe it's a small, you know, but it's still a good um, 
It's a good moniker. That they... I didn't come back for episode two of Squinters, but I appreciated yeah. what it was. It was okay. a smart idea to be made cheaply in the way that no activity is, you know, just two people sitting there, you know, not an expensive show to make. Sando, on the other hand, is a lot more ambitious. You know, it's a more a family sitcom with more characters, shot on location, and the most extraordinary performance from Sasha Haller in the lead role, particularly considering that it was made for Genevieve Morris, who had to quit the show out of ill health, and yes. Sasha Haller wa- walks in with a week's notice mm. and does that. She's incredible in it. Um, I liked the first episode, and I will be back for more of Sando. Mm. I, I've only seen the promos, but it looks very clever. I love the way they've done the whole... Um the sort of the electronic store that you know, and the, you go to the website and it looks like a catalogue from a store, and it, it's all very clever. Yeah, it was funny. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping it does pretty well. I think both um, Squinters and Sando were from Jungle, the, the pr- Jungle Production House. So it's good to see them getting stuff up like that. Yeah, really good. Um, I wouldn't be predicting very big numbers. I think Squinters didn't do that well, but you could see Santo having a bit of a, a broader appeal. You'd think Santo's a, a bit broader in appeal, I agree. And I think Squinters, because it, there were like 15-minute episodes, weren't No, they were half hours. Like half hours. It's a very strange title, though. What did it mean? I thought they were short apps. What does Squinters <laughs> mean? What did that have to do with people in cars I don't know. carpooling? Yeah. Why wasn't it called Carpool? Mm. Squinters. Yeah, well, when I know they're longer apps, I don't know. I was going to say that I'd be more into sort of um, binging it and maybe watching a few back-to-back to try and, you know, get into it. But if they're whole half hours, I don't know. But I, I definitely like to give it a try. Um, Rove's back on TV with um, Show Me the Movie. Yep. I mistakenly called it Show Me the Money to someone in a quick email I shot off about. They said, no, no, it's Show Me the Movie with uh, Jane Harbour and Joel Creasy. Yes. I love the idea. I'm just a bit worried about 7.30. Is it going to be an hour? It's going to be an hour. It's a pretty big ask at a hard, hard time of night. Look, I'm obviously going to check it out because I'm interested in movies uh, that promo for it, though, is not real <laughs> crash hot, in my opinion. Right. Trying a bit too hard, the promo. Um, but then what else are you going to do to tell people you're doing a show about movies? I get what they're doing, putting themselves into classic movies and sending it up. It's just that the promo isn't very funny. And that's a bit concerning when you're saying, here's this new comedy show and our promo isn't funny. Come watch us. I don't know. But right. I will be watching. Yeah, I think they can play up the quiz side of it too. Yeah. Everybody's interested in movie quiz questions. Well, it's easy to say it's spicks and specs with movies. Everybody understands that, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love the idea of Jane Harbour being. Yes. Um, Rove says that we'll see another side of her that we've never seen before. Yep. Well, I think I've seen that on um, the Moody's. Of course, yes, but yeah. see, she's acting and she's oh, acting know, in Offspring. He means that there's Her, a lot the real, more to... Because yes, yeah. she does play those very straight-laced, boxed-in characters, characters True. that don't show a lot of emotion. Mm. I assume what Rove means by that is that Jane Harbour in real life is actually a really hilarious person in the way that Cornelia Francis in real life is nothing like the character she has played for so many years on screen. Sure. Yeah, but I, I loved her in the mood. She, she's okay in Offspring, but I wasn't a big Offspring fan, I yeah. guess. But but I loved her role in Moody's. It was really funny. 
Um, so yeah, I'll certainly give that a go. And anything Rove's involved with, I, I, I feel duty bound to give it a watch because yeah. you know I appreciate what he's done, his role in Australian TV. You know, that's been a bit of a landmark. But that leads me on to the next question. He he always gets asked, and I don't think he likes it getting asked. <laughs> but should you know Rove Live come back? And he gets, he probably, you can feel like he doesn't want to answer, but he ends up answering and says, yes, I think it should. Yeah. And he says there seems to be an appetite for it from the public or some the public, but TV programmers don't seem to be interested. Well, that's what I was going to say. That's what I remember reading when I looked at a few of those interviews. He says TV programmers aren't interested in it, probably because it's expensive to make. Mm. But does there, an, again, there's probably a place for a lower cost um, tonight show. But then doesn't that become something like, Husey, we've got a problem? Well, no, that's you know. just a – that's a panel jokey show. I think he's talking about a more your standard US format of a Tonight Show, which Rove Live pretty much was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and he, Rove always talks about the fact that all those people are coming to Australia yeah, on a regular the, basis and there's the, nothing really the to go on now. The music stars come here, the movie stars come yeah. here. I mean, the project's about the only thing they can do. Yeah, and all that, you know, they do a performance on, you know, Sunrise or Today and who wants to get up that early in I the know. morning? It's, yeah, and on the project they get about two or three minutes Yeah, and it's off. That's and you right. sometimes think, well, what's the point? Yeah. So I think he's right. But I, I record it during the day. It doesn't have to be live, I don't think. I mean, live's always nice, but that's going to put up the cost. Yeah. Record it during the day. You could do back-to-back. Make you it a little two bit longer and cut week. it down and make it really pacey. Two records a week. Yeah. Two or three one day, two yep. the other day. Yep. Five nights a week. Five nights a week you want it? Four. Okay. Oh, one. You go. <laughs> no, I well, think you've got to get a bit of – try and get a bit of momentum. Give people a – Something to go to every night in a certain time slot. So does that mean you've checked out Tom Ballard on ABC Two? I have. Right. I quite and like it. Yeah. I see some of the skits. I haven't watched an episode from beginning to end, but I watch a lot of those skits online and some of them are funny. It's it's a bit of amazing performance because he does his monologues and I don't know if he's shortened them a bit because, again, it, but already I'm killing my own argument here, aren't I? It's on every night. Have I watched every night? No. Have I watched every night of one week? No. Yeah. But I try and catch it when I can. Yeah. Um, but it's a bit of a, it's a sort of a, quite a solo performance he puts on. He's on air for a lot of that um, half hour. When I say... Well, I think it's pretty funny. When I talk about Hughes, have you got a problem? I just wonder if, if a Tonight Show like that, especially if you want it four nights a week, needs to be merged with something else. You know, whether it needs to... We need to go back to the days well, of... Well, I wouldn't be putting Hughes if you've got a problem. No, no, no. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, remember, we go back to the days of Graham Kennedy's news and Steve Vizard's show where he used to have a newsreader. So there yeah. was a little bit of news, but a little bit of variety as well, because I think we've decided that variety on its own now would oh, struggle. Do we need news though? Well, there's bloody news channels. There's, <laughs> there's endless news. It doesn't do have we, to be news do though. Do you have news on it? Yeah. I thought it was always weird on Visard having that news at the start of the bulletin. Really? I mean, but then back in that, those days there wasn't news channels, I guess, was there? Well, that's true. So it made sense. Yeah, you saw you, If you, you went home for work at the six o'clock news, you, you didn't exactly. see it. Yeah. So I just don't know if we really need news. But something, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think oh, the yeah. 21st century yeah, variety so there's little, yeah. needs to be variety with something else in there, another reason to watch it. I just think I'd like to see a good monologue, some parody, some jokes. There's just nowhere to see that stuff about. I mean, it's really the domain of radio these days. 
That's why there's all these big stars getting good money mm. working on radio in mm. breakfast, in drive, you know, doing good work. Yep. Because TV is just not offering those opportunities. What is the RuPaul drag race controversy? Well, the, I've seen bits and pieces. Yeah. I don't know much about So RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars finished last Friday night and there is one sequence in it that's absolutely incredible. It's a one continuous Who screens camera. This? Screens on Stan. Right. And they express it from the US. So there were four people up for the final number and they got them to remix one of RuPaul's dance tracks and they performed it and recorded running around the studios where they film it in one continuous camera take with every person who works on the show participating, dancers, crew, and some of the dancers doing double duty, running past the camera and running ahead and changing clothes. Because I've watched like it. Sounds like fun. Huh? Sounds like fun. Amazing. Yeah. So did the best thing that they've probably ever done in nine seasons and three seasons nine of All-Stars. Seasons. Wow. And then when it gets down to picking the winner, they bring back all the eliminated queens and get them to vote who should go into the final two. And so, of course, the person that most people thought should win didn't even make it into the final two. What happens now is that RuPaul's Drag Race goes immediately into season 10 with all new contestants and a lot of people are saying, well, don't ever do that again, RuPaul. You know, it's it, this is about you and judges and you've got to pick the best person. Was this a new way of... Yeah. So this was the first time they'd had that. Yeah, it was system. a twist. You know, instead of us deciding who it is, we're going to get those former Why contestants. Why didn't they vote for the... Well, you know, some one. of the former contestants were saying things like, well, you know, we think that this person's worked really hard and it's their turn. And, of course, viewers don't appreciate that sort of thing. Viewers go, oh, I've been watching the show for 10 weeks. There's a very clear winner here. This isn't about saying, but that person needs it because they're getting old and it might be their last chance. You know, you've, uh, you've really got to think about who's the right winner. So it's all very well to have a reality show twist, yeah. but if it ends up picking the wrong winner and pissing off your fans, that ain't good. Yeah. I want to end uh, this, this first podcast with you this week. We're doing um, a couple of quick Easter um, viewing hmm. highlights. I'll put that in inverted commas. Australian Spartan coming back at Easter. But they're doing it three nights in a row. I noticed that. Isn't that what they should have done? I mean, it's easy to say in hindsight, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. That seems to me to work better than watching one of those, then waiting a whole week. But then if they'd done it every night in the white row, that would have just been another thing copying Australian Ninja Warrior. And that's why the bloody show didn't work in the first place. It was too similar. And they couldn't do that because they had... Well, well they had I'm My Kitchen about, Rules. I'm not worried about copying it. Yeah. They I, couldn't because they had My Kitchen exactly, Rules. Exactly, yeah. yeah. What they did was, I saw what they did... Everyone thought they were launching it after the Commonwealth Games, right? But, of course, what was happening on Sunday nights was that MKR was getting beaten by Married at First Night on Sunday night. Important night of the week because MKR was – because uh, Married at First Sight was copying MKR and doing a dinner party with all those saucy revelations that they could then promo for days on end, beating MKR. Seven panicked, thought, we've got to offer an alternative here. We'll go Australian Spartan. It didn't work. That's the problem. They panicked. If they'd probably stuck to what they originally had planned to do, 
if they were going to launch it after the Commonwealth Games and come in off the back of all that sports mania that may or may not happen with the Gold Coast Commonwealth Games, yes. maybe it would have done better. But, you know, that ludicrous first thing that they did, the first challenge where they kind of got on this giant lifesaver that was suspended by the rope and it had to swing and get momentum and it just seemed to take forever. You know, you'd spend five minutes every contestant to see whether or not all three of them could do this thing, swing back and forth. It's like, seriously, that's how you're going to open the show? Just not well thought out. And my other one is really is a, a highlight, and I think I've, I'm putting this in my best list already without saying it all right, just on the strength of the promo. But it's, it's a season three of something, Billions, coming Billions, back to stand. Right. I'm seeing a lot of bus posters here oh, in Sydney well, and yeah, billboards, yeah. Spending a bit of money, I'm staying promoting it. I thought uh, you were going to say Bachelor in Paradise. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, look, I've, I've always had a soft spot for billions. Yeah. I think it's brilliant. Uh, the cast is just fantastic. Paul, Paul Giamatti, Damien Lewis. Um, it's two guys, um, a, a sort of a, a billionaire investor. Yep. Sort of working on the edge of uh, <laughs> uh, the law probably going a bit step too far quite often, and uh, a US attorney who's after him. Um, Still, just, obviously. Yeah, just yeah. brilliant, and that's certainly going to play out in this new season. But even though it's two guys, the women almost have the key roles. Right. Um, particularly uh, Maggie Maggie Sift as, as plays Wendy Rhodes, as Paul Giamatti's wife. It's a bit of on, on again, off again relationship. But they're also into the S&M scene. Ah. And that's, that's really interesting. And the promo indicates there'll be a bit of that in season three as well. It was quite, it, it was a lot of it in season one, not so much season two, but it looks like it's back for season three. And um, I think it's Malin Ackerman, a Swedish actress, who plays Lara Axelrod, who's Damien Lewis's wife. Oh, okay. Again, she's quite She's a, blonde? Yes. Okay, I'm seeing her on the poster. Yeah, quite a pivotal um, role in the in the series as well. It's just brilliant stuff. And um, I think it's Asia Kate Dillon who plays Taylor Mason, but who's credited as being the first non-gender binary character what? on major US TV. Now... We can't say he or she. They were in Orange is the New Black too, I think. Wow. Yeah. And I know that's a theme that's being picked up in the new season of Roseanne. Right. Roseanne's grandson, uh, Darlene's uh, son, is going to want to wear dresses and be a bit like that. And we've always known that Roseanne loves to go after those hot button topics. And I'm so excited. Mm. Channel 10, (laughs) getting Roseanne back. Uh, The premieres in America, I think. Very early soon. Early April. Very early April. Cannot wait. Sure. Yeah. This could be, for me, this could be the best one. Will and Grace, Murphy Brown and all that. The, the jewel in the crown for me has always been Roseanne. And if uh, they can do what they pulled off 20 years ago, it's going to be epic for me. Well, it's good news that the cast are back, isn't it? All the cast. some great actors. There. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Except for the, the, uh, the very sad case where one of the guys died. Yes. You know, uh, Becky's husband. But all the rest, Johnny, all the rest are back. Yeah, yeah. No, it should be fantastic. Look, uh, we might wrap up this one. All right. I'm going to get you back again before you leave town. Okay. Um, so it's great talking to you. On the second podcast, if people have enjoyed what we've heard, I want to get into some of the dramas, some of the short run both Aussie and international dramas, but I'll drill you on that um, shortly. No worries. Tell me what I've got to watch. I'll start watching. (laughs) 